Joining us again on Franchise Freaks, it's Sophia Giordano-Scott, the senior editor at Brand J. Hey, Sophia, what's up today? Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm always looking at all of the content that you're putting out for Brand J and for all of our clients and some of our clients' brands and everything that you're doing. How many blogs per month do you think you're writing right now, if you had to take a stab at it? Definitely over 60 a month. It's somewhere in there. <laughs> that's that's a lot. Uh, so that's for multiple clients. Um, what are you typically recommending for any of your clients? How many blogs per month they should be creating and putting on their website and putting out on social channels? How many per month do you recommend? I would recommend a safe at least once a month, at least get something posted on your website. Um, and that doesn't even cover social media, at least post something once a month. Um, I would highly recommend at least two blogs a month. That way you're at least focusing on two different keywords a month. You can really, you can get a really strong content plan of um, 12 keywords uh, for half a year, which is a really great uh, place to start in, especially if you're um, just starting out with a new website. Um, And then it goes up from there. We have a couple of our uh, clients who have three or even, you know, let's do a range of, you know, two to three blogs, some newsletters, some press releases. So uh, it really ranges on how, how, where your budget is and how, uh, where you want to target. Um, a lot of these niche brands, you know, there's, there's less to target, you know, there's, they're just new concepts, new, uh, new ideas, and there's not people who know the words to search for these things. So we have to get creative and, um, how can we write content about, um, unknown concepts? You mentioned keywords. Tell me about your process when you start creating a blog. Do you start with the keywords, like more of the, the science to SEO or are you looking more at the topics and thinking about, you know, the art of what a a potential candidate or someone else might want to read? Where do you sort of sit with that art versus science when you're starting to create a blog? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of work that goes into the research and strategy is what we call it before we even um, start, you know, open up that word document and start writing. Um, So we go through a pretty, pretty intensive research and strategy phase. Um, Our research includes, you know, just organic research. What is this brand about? What are people saying about this brand already that you can search? How are people searching for these uh, brands? What are the, you know, most asked questions on Google? Um, What are our competitors writing? Are they, you know, are they focusing on specific keywords? Are they just posting press blogs? Are they even doing anything SEO related at all? Um, So we do a lot of research in the industry about the brand and about the brand's competitors. Um, And then we go into, you know, Um, we get our SEO tools and we start doing some really detailed keyword research. Um, We don't just like to do, you know, the be your own boss, the, uh, you know, franchising, you know, we, we like to get really specific. We like to do some keyword deviations. We like to get, um, we like to think about how people are searching for these brands. Um, Are they searching franchise opportunities near me or are they searching, um, how to expand my franchise portfolio with a restaurant franchise. Like some people are going to get specific. We have to kind of dig into who that user is and how are they going to be searching for their next franchise opportunity. Um, Usually we'll have two different types of audiences in the franchising industry. Um, The more experienced franchisor or or the first time franchisor. Um, 
So there's different ways to kind of look at it. Is it somebody who has experience with franchising or are they going to be searching for 101 terms and um, terms that they they might not even know the terms that they should be searching for? So you have to make sure you cover all grounds, you know, make sure you're pulling people in every direction that you can to your site to then fill them through the the, uh, user journey to then lead to a conversion. I love that idea of getting away from the old cliches like be your own boss. Oh, we've seen so much of that over the past couple of decades. Are there any other things that that um, you're really trying to avoid right now as far as some of the old tropes and things that people talked about in the past that just don't seem to work right now? Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So um, when I first started doing content, nothing was as advanced as it is today. We were writing things to write things. Um, and then, you know, keywords, yeah. kind of, uh, <laughs> something to, you know, oh, we need to be writing things with a purpose. Um, so then, you know, some of the science gets in there. Are we even writing this for somebody to read? Or are we just writing this to get somebody to the site to then convert? Um, so you have to find that middle place of like, not only does this piece of content serve a purpose, but um, it also is, uh, it's for somebody to read. Um, So things that I, one thing recently that I've been really, really um, big on kind of changing is, um, okay, so we're past 2020, like, uh, big blocks of text, nobody's going to (laughs) read. People are past the five paragraphs of text in a row. Um, You really, really have to uh, deviate in your formatting is uh, something that we've seen in the past kind of two years. Everybody's reading things on mobile. So you have to write things to be read on mobile. Um, You can't do 300 words of text uh, without headers, without pictures, without bullet points and expect somebody to sit through the whole thing and read every single word. Um, Not to say people don't like to read, but people just want what they want quicker nowadays. Um, So a lot of the things that we've been changing is, you know, making sure you're having lots of images or video in your content, Uh, a lot of um, bullet points or numbered lists or things to separate. So when you're looking at a screen, you're not looking at just text, but you're looking at different places with different white space that will kind of break it up and make it easier for your mind to kind of uh, stomach what you're reading. basically how that works. So um, improving content, making it more user friendly, uh, making sure you're hitting your your word count limit. You know, uh, Google does not like a 200, 300 word blog. It's just not going to go anywhere. Um, my favorite. Example- oh, what, what do they like right now? What are you really trying to hit as far as length? Yeah. So my favorite example that I always bring up is the grilled cheese example. Um, Have you ever searched for a recipe, let's say a grilled cheese recipe on Google? Um, What's the first thing you're going to click on something? It's going to be like somebody's whole life story before you even get to like how long you have to cook it, right? Um, I don't even need this. Why is this the first one on the list? It's because all of that content is in there before that recipe is smart. People know what they're doing when they're writing recipes like that. Um, It's because it has a thousand words of that person's life story before the meat of the the actual content, the recipe um, that gets that blog to the top ranking spot of best grilled cheese recipes. So um, the same is true for content anywhere. If If you're trying to write a really, really important piece of content that you want everybody to read let's say it's an interview with your ceo or something um making that like uh one line answers is not really going to give anybody anything to read it's not going to give uh anybody you know it's not going to give users something to keep them on the page it's not really going to uh lead to other parts of a website um so making sure that you're you know 
giving people what they you, you want to give them enough but you don't want to give them so much that it's too much um especially that's where the kind of formatting deviation comes in so um we don't do any blogs that are under 500 words that's usually my my limit anything below that just typically google just doesn't like to rank as well um 750 is a healthy uh a healthy spot to be at as well that's where we start our bigger cornerstones that way you can really dive deep into something uh, really give people something to stay on um great place for videos as well so um Yes. And then also getting rid of those cliche keywords. Nobody's searching be your own boss anymore. You know, really, yeah. uh, if you're in the <laughs> franchise space, like get to know some of the new franchises, franchisees that are in the space who talk to somebody who has not been in the franchise space and ask them, how, how did you search for your business opportunity? Um, the last time I did this, it was with an AC, uh, AC duct, um, franchise owner um he's been in the business a few years now and when i asked him like how did you get involved with this company he's like oh i read about it on entrepreneur magazine <laughs> like he didn't even search anything so you have to like be aware of who your audience is where your audience is and how you can get your audience from x to your website to then convert you mentioned doing a lot of keyword research it sounds like you do a lot of interview research as well with franchisors and franchisees from the brands you're working with. What are some of the types of questions that you ask these folks before you start writing a blog for them? I always like to get a sense of where they're coming from. So, you know, where did you come from? How did you get to where you are now? Um, most people in the franchising space have worked in franchising before. So there's, you know, stepping stones to get them to where they are now, how, where that experience came from. So that's very important. Um, I always really like to get a sense of where they're going in the future as well. So where did you come from? Where are you going? Um, where your kind of plans for growth is a really good place to start because that can kind of outline the whole interview. Oh, your plans for growth are 10 franchises in the next um in the next year, well, um, what are your plans to get yourself there? Um, and that kind of will drive that conversation. Um, one of my favorite things to ask, especially in any type of interview, I almost ask it, I think I ask it in almost every situation that I have when it comes to interviewing is, um, what are you most proud of? Um, because that's really where people are going to talk the most about something that they literally put their, their day's effort into. Um, so, you know, are you proud of uh, some of the answers that we've gotten are awesome. Uh, we've brought people to tears with this question before, uh, which in a good way, in a good way. <laughs> uh, we've had yeah, franchise yeah. owners cry on camera because we're like, what are you proud of? And they're like, the franchise family is just that genuine and that awesome that it's bringing you to happy tears. Um, so I really like to get to that emotional point. Um, and people want to read that emotional point. That's what sells people. You know, they, they don't want to know that, oh, you know, they're available 24 seven. Great. Every franchiser should be available 24 seven. They right. want to know. Oh, they <laughs> we have good customer service. Yeah. <laughs> right. They want to know that you're going to, you know, uh, pick up the phone at 2 a.m. and walk you through how, you know, your CRM or something uh, when you have a, you know, a customer emergency. So uh, finding that emotional kind of uh, linchpin and, you know, that people are going to react to is, is huge when it comes to interviewing. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, and, and it's kind of a big topic because it's just changed the way every marketer and, uh, and uh, friend dev company does everything is the impact that AI has had on the work that you're doing. We've only been really using it for a little over a year now. How has that changed your day-to-day -day work and how is it changing how people are creating content and especially when it comes to website content and blogs? 
Yeah, uh, AI has, I mean, changed the game 100%. Um, if you're a digital marketer and you're not utilizing AI in some way today, I mean, you're pretty much doing yourself a disservice because um, why wouldn't you make it easier on yourself? Um, there's a really interesting argument with AI that kind of comes up is the um, the creativity versus the analytical driven content. Um, what are you using AI for and how are you using it? And you know what is what is the purpose that it's serving? Um, should you be using AI to write your next best selling novel? You know that's personal and about you know happily ever after. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I would suggest you shouldn't. Yeah. I, su- I would suggest that your creative works should stay you know organic. Um, the the Truth of the matter is, when it comes to AI, it's it's not a solution. It's a tool to find the solution. Um, it's going to make your process, it's going to speed your process up. It's not going to replace your process. Um, we're still not at the point, and it, you know, it might happen. We might be 10 years down the road, AI, we might not even have digital agencies. It just might all be a robot. However, today... Uh, you still very much need a person to drive the AI. So it's very much a tool that needs to be uh, utilized in the right way. Uh, When we use AI, um, it does speed up the the writing process. However, we have to tell the AI how to write, what to write, what audience to be writing for. Um, And it usually is not something where you're like, okay, I'm going to give you this much notes and you're going to spit out the perfect, you know, blog result, usually uh, proofing, always proofing is necessary with anything that comes out of AI, whether it's uh, words, pictures, anything. Um, But oftentimes you have to, you know, pick and choose. Oh, well, this doesn't work. Oh, well, you said the same thing over and over. Um, So you have to direct the AI and like, how can you improve? Um, If you work with your AI, if you develop, you know, we have 30 plus clients that we write for on a monthly basis. Um, if you develop the AI to learn with you, um, it will do the work. It will. It's not going to pretend like it's um, starting on page one every time you go to use it. So building AI as like your biggest tool in your in your you know uh, toolbox is uh, really smart. But like always take in consideration, um, this is not a re- replacement for writers. You still need somebody who knows the brand, who knows you know the object of you know the the goal of the content. Um, and somebody who obviously is a good reader writer, somebody who can look at content and say, oh, somebody's going to read this or, oh, somebody's not going to read this. Um, also making sure you have that human touch. If you read enough AI written blogs over and over, you'll you'll pick up on the, you know, the oh, yeah. uh, things that yeah. make them the same. So um, improving that as well, making sure that uh, you, you put that human element into a blog is really important because we're going to get to the point where our brains are going to like, oh. I already know from the first three words that this is AI written. Um, we're going to get to that point pretty quickly. So making sure that you you are putting that human element into it is is a huge part of using AI. Um, highly recommend using it in the right context. Um, our content, ninety percent of the time, is uh, serves a purpose. Um, we're not writing blogs to write blogs. We're writing blogs to rank keywords on Google or you know wherever uh, to drive traffic to a website. Um, are some of the blogs going to seem similar? Yes, because not every user is going to read every single blog on your website. You need to have um, multiple stories. You need to have multiple stories saying the same thing um, in different ways to capture as many people as you can to then bring them to that main beef and convert. Um, so yeah, love AI. It has really sped up the process, but just remember it's always a tool in your toolbox and not a replacement of your process. And keeping that human touch. Love that. Sophia Giordano, Scott, thank you for being a franchise freak. Thank you. Thank you.